Thanks to the sponsor of today's episode, Glimp. Glimp is one of those tools you have never heard about but wish you had of. If you don't want the admin that comes with comparing common utilities and expenses, check them out. I actually mentioned them in a recent episode around loyalty tax and checking up on your providers. I know this will be extremely useful to you as well as a massive time saver. Glimp helps you find the best deals and offers on broadband, power, loans, KiwiSaver and insurance. Save serious cash. Make smarter money decisions and go to glimp.co.nz. The link is in my bio. Thanks so much to Glimp for supporting me. Let's get back on with the episode. Hey guys, and welcome to The One Up Project. We're simplifying all things finance and lifestyle in a relaxed environment. It's all just a bit of fun, so be sure to keep listening and let the content be a catalyst for your own self-improvement. Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of the One Up Project podcast. I am here with Bridget Jackson, who is a certified divorce coach, settlement expert and mediator who helps people facing separation uh, or divorce. So she provides them with any support they need, which can vary from pre-legal advice to finding a lawyer or a new one, um, preparing for court relationship counselling. And today we're going to talk all about finances and sort of the money side of that. So thank you so much for being here with us, Bridget. How are you? Great. Thank you very much. It's a fantastic opportunity to be talking to you today. Oh, no worries at all. Thank you. Um, so I guess maybe do you want to start us off with a bit about yourself and your career um, background and how you got into all of this? Absolutely. So from the start, really, I've been a bit of an entrepreneur. So my ex-husband and I had a business in Australia uh, and um, we uh, were very successful in that and ended up having about 200 staff. It was called Castle Hampers, so wow. it was um, it was similar to Crisco. People um, purchase boxes for Christmas full of um, groceries and alcohol and things like that, and that's via direct debit model. And then we ended up about three years later selling that. So it was a it was a huge experience. We lived above an office and hardware. We lived above a hardware shop and had our office downstairs and couldn't afford um, heating. So I'd be would be working in our sleeping bags and then in the middle of it I got pregnant. So I went into labour at work and then no way. yeah and then and then within a week I was back with one hand was the laptop and one hand was the baby. So that was that fantastic experience. We moved back to New Zealand because we were based in Australia then. And then, unfortunately, um, my mother died of ovarian cancer, so I was, became a trustee of the New Zealand Gynae Cancer Foundation. Then um, I decided to leave my ex-husband and became the general manager of the New Zealand Gynae Cancer Foundation. So we had balls for 500 people, gala dinners, wow. including prime ministers and MPs and celebrities. And it was just an incredible, it was just an incredible part of my work journey. And then... I then had the children, I, I've got four children, so I had four children in quite quick succession, not enough TVs. <laughs> and uh, so the charity sector is fantastic. It's it's very, very busy and you've always got to be out there being seen and raising money. Uh, and I just decided that with him now being a single person with four children, it was very difficult um, to continue in that. So I actually then um, became head of relationships at Organic Initiative with the founder, Helen oh, Robinson. Wow. Yeah. So OI are um, 100% organic uh, sanitary products. So, and they're, you know, they're in America now, all over New Zealand, and they're, and they're a fantastic company. So after I did that, I thought there's got to be a better way um, of doing divorce and separation a better way, a more positive way, because mine took five years to settle mm. and the emotional toll was huge and it cost half a million dollars. And I just thought, 
I don't want this for other people. So I thought, right, I went and trained as a divorce coach through the US and I'm also a qualified lawyer and also had done a postgraduate in dispute resolution, then became a mediator. And so Equalex was born a couple of years ago. So I'm just very, very passionate about what I do. A divorce coach holds people's hand, their thinking partner, sounding board as they go through the process, helping people make the best decisions that they can make, avoiding the mistakes and pitfalls uh, that people generally do make when they're going through the most stressful time in their lives. Mm, wow, what a wide breadth of experience that you have. That's really awesome. And for you, why do you think that it's important for both parties in a relationship to be aware of their money situation? Well, a lot of people, when they find someone they want to be with, uh, actually don't think about the money side of it. When they choose someone, they potentially ignore the money, which is a crucial component. Um, it's, it's, it's a leading cause of um, stress in relationships. And it's one of the, it's the leading cause of people who are leaving each other as well. Mm. It's probably because it's a topic that is off limits for people. It's like the elephant in the room. People don't want to talk about it. And that relates to generally what their um, money personalities are. So if you're a saver or a spender, you know, you've got quite different views on money. Uh, so financial co- compatibility plays a huge role in the success of someone's relationship. And do you find that one gender or the other tends to have less financial literacy or knowledge of money? A hundred percent, absolutely. And that's the female and I see that in my business, you know, on a daily basis where there is a real lack of um, any knowledge, not even in-depth knowledge, but any knowledge mm. about the finances. So, and that comes back to still the traditional division of labour. You know, the, the predominantly female is at home with the children, looking after the children, running the household, and then you've got a partner out who's working, who inevitably is the one who ends up controlling the money. The issue is, too, is a lot of women... Um, just take it as it as that is and don't make an effort to actually mm. be curious and inquisitive about the finances and say well look I actually want to be able to manage some money so can I have you know two thousand dollars to go and put into shares and and can you can you um can we sit down and, and actually talk about our shared marital assets so what we own and what we owe and that in turn, the other partner needs to actually lessen the ropes, lessen the control, the reins, and let them actually let the other partner actually be part of um, part of the financial um, family. You know, yeah, because there's topic. an element of you have to be proactive at some point. I feel like some people can often feel like it'll just get sorted for them and they don't need to kind of have any part of that. Yes, and there's no guarantees you're going to be married or in yeah. your de facto relationship forever. So true. You know, so you're going to be potentially staring down the barrel as um, a single person and having to manage your finances. And that is very frightening. Mm. Very frightening. Yeah, and from that, what are I guess, the consequences of only having one person take over the finances in a relationship? Well, you know, that's where's the equality in that for mm. a start? So... Um, Potentially there's power play there, so one, the, particularly the one who works, who controls the finances, that's an issue. Uh, so the lack of equity, there's a trust will become a big issue too uh, because the partner who's managing the money could be going and spending it on things that they want to spend it on and not informing the other partner in relation to that. Mm. Um, 
also um, transparency as well. People aren't up front about what they're doing. And if you end up getting divorced and you've got no idea about what you own and owe, you know, it's going to be a long road to ensure you uh, actually get what you deserve and know what's in the pot. Mm. You know, you have to undertake. The last position you want to be in is to actually have to go to court and get discovery of what, what actually do you own and owe because it's been hidden from you. And that costs $30,000. Yeah, exactly. Money's a funny thing, isn't it? It can be really stressful on people and just their day-to-day. Oh, it's the, it's, the main, it's the main reason people separate. Yeah. Is money. And Sad. when relationships go to custard, it's because of money when they're separating. Mm. Usually there's you know, predominantly arguments around the money and all the children. Those are the two aspects. Mm. And do you think that in a relationship, everything should be shared and halved? And what are the pros and cons that come with that? Oh, um, absolutely. I mean, I was I had a I had a client um, recently who's in a relationship, and everything is separate. And it feels like it feels like that um, they're actually separate. So I liken a relationship to a living entity, mm. but it feels like that this couple actually don't don't feel like that they feel like that. to me they seem more like their flatmates yeah so i absolutely fundamentally believe people should combine their finances in the first instance it means that women do have greater security because women generally aren't able to be at the same level as men when they earn money because most women have breaks while they're working mm. uh, to have children. And that's where the economic disparity argument comes in too when people yeah. divorce and separate. Uh, it keeps things simple. That's another point. Uh, it, um, splitting finances can work for some couples, but it can also lead to very complicated conversations. For example, if you're wanting to go on holiday and um, one doesn't want to pay them their half to go on a holiday, then you know there's going to be issues there, mm. for example. Uh, it, it, if all money is coming out of one pot, it certainly simplifies things. It allows for more flexibility. Having a, having a joint account, for example, means you can, you can actually fundamentally both put in half or, or depends on who's earning and who's not. But just be 100% aware of you know, what, what you're bringing in and what's going out. Mm. It creates shared goals. So, for example, uh, you, know, you might be able to end up, you might decide that you want to actually purchase an investment property or buy some shares. And this comes back to, which we'll talk further down the track, about actually a money, money conversations when you get into a relationship need to be done very, very early on. So I think there is definitely a number of merits um, combining your finances. There's also cons, of course, as well. Mm. Uh, there might be debt, for example, that's an issue because one partner has got more debt than the other one. People might feel constrained. It can cause arguments. I mean, arguments could happen both ways. Uh, so, yeah, there's, there's, there's certainly arguments on both sides. But fundamentally another aspect is that it can really devalue a spouse if they feel mm. like they're having to separate their, um, s- separate their finances. Yeah, because I was just thinking, and from your experience and what you've seen, do you feel 
those couples who do combine their finances and have, I guess, good communication and both are aware of what's going on, those relationships end up being more successful than those who don't have uh, that? Oh, inevitably, inevitably. And I don't see that a lot with people that um, are wanting to go through the divorce process. Mm. Uh, you know, the, 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 the people generally from what I have seen in terms of my clients is they're not, um, they're not on the same page with the finances. Usually, undoubtedly, it's one person or the other who controls the finances. It's usually the male. Some of the women do, but a very small percentage do. Mm. And then a small percentage, both of them equally manage the finances. Yeah, yeah. Because with my audience, so a big majority of them are in the twenty-three to thirty age bracket, and they're getting into these relationships that are becoming more serious, and so they start to want to navigate their financial situation as a couple. Yeah. How do we start to navigate that? Like, what should our main focus be when we're starting to combine our finances or think about our financial well, situation? Well, the first thing you need to do is actually sit down and have the, this is what my money looks like conversation, mm. all right? So I'm a spender or I'm a saver. Um, you need to disclose financially where each of you stand. And that can be really difficult. Yeah. You know, I've got a huge student loan or... Mm. You know, I owe my father 50K, whatever it could be. So it's having a conversation where you go over all the basics, how much you earn, how much you owe, and how much you spend and how much you save, you know, and whether you actually budget at all. So, and it's also time to take note of anything that you might be concerned about with your partner's situation, as I've alluded to about um, debt. Just jumping on to touch on the sponsor of today's episode, Glump. Glump helps you find the best deals and offers on broadband, power, loans, KiwiSaver and insurance. To compare broadband providers, for example, is so easy. You literally put in a few details about your current provider and situation, then Glump will pull up the relevant competitive offers. These are the type of tools you can really use to your advantage and keep on top of your expenses. Save serious cash, make smarter money decisions and go to glimp.co.nz to the link in my bio. Thanks so much again to Glimp for supporting the podcast. Let's get on with the episode. The other conversation that you need to have is what are our money goals? Mm. You know, so sitting down and thinking about, first of all, go in depth to where you are currently with your money. But what your plan looks like for the future, planning is fundamental, and I'll come back to that later, but uh, are your financial goals uh, and habits compatible with each other? Inevitably, even if you don't combine your finances and have separate finances, um, it affects you anyway. Money's going to affect you anyway. Yeah, exactly. I think it can feel quite vulnerable for people, of course, because they're going to have to lay out their entire financial situation in oh, front of someone. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, the main focus for couples needs to be being in a relationship and growing the money together. Mm. Uh, that's really important. Um, so as I've talked about, with your different attitudes, you need to embrace each other's money personality. So if you're a spender and the other partner is a saver, then you need to say, well, look, I need to, you know, let's put aside $150 a month or a week or whatever, and you can use that on whatever you want. So the spender is feeling like they're being heard mm. and able to you know, continue in that frame, and the saver realises that, okay, we need to budget for 
you know, $150 coming out each month. Um, the other thing is that, you know, it's also talking about sharing expenses, who pays what and when. Mm. So this plan, I come back to having, you know, talking about this plan, it's very imperative that you've got one, and focusing on growing wealth together. Because it, it gives you an opportunity to build wealth together in so many in so many ways. So as I've said, do from the start of a relationship, do it from the start of your marriage, establish the open and regular communication about your financial life together in the future. Share your plans for retirement. You might not be at retirement age, but once again, it's very important. You know, I, mm. I, I want to be getting retired when I'm 60, mm. for example. How are we going to get there? Um, and agree on the approach to spending and saving, what we've talk, talked about. You know, when you're in your 30s, you may consider a prenup, okay? So what you've got in terms of um, separate property now, because people are going into relationships, marriages, de facto relationships later, mm. separate property will, will be yours, and then moving forward, you know, relationship um, property will be that that we purchase together potentially or have together. Um, you know, I believe that people, as well as before you get into a full-on relationship with someone, there needs to be the 50 questions and there needs to be the discussion, what, I know this won't happen, however, what if we end up getting divorced? What is that going to look like? Yeah. How are we going to behave? Who's going to get what? Mm. You know, I, I invariably think that that conversation never happens and people don't want to think about it, but yeah. things aren't guaranteed. You know, life is not guaranteed. Things never go your way. I mean, there's always times in your life when you've got challenges and if you can prepare for such a huge challenge, potentially in terms of divorce or separation, then that's the time to have it. Um, second, marriages do present financial challenges um, because people once again have to deal with upfront about their financial situations. And when people have been in a first marriage, they're usually, you know, was it once bitten twice shy mm. about dealing with that? So, and people have set patterns and attitudes and behaviours by that stage too. So you need to be able to be flexible and listen to each other and be understanding and learn from each other's experiences. That's what I believe. And this comes back to long-time partners breaking bad habits too, mm. particularly if you want the relationship to last. So coming back to um, husband loosening the control and the woman, if it's a scenario like that, um, actually willing to actually take some responsibility and learn about the finances. It's got to be a two-way thing. Mm. It really has to be. Yeah, totally. I was just going to say on that, if someone is really against opening up about their financial situation and finds it hard to be vulnerable, what attitude would you say they should go in there with and like what should they think about? Well, I mean, I, I, I mean you, have to, you have to think long-term. Like if, you're, if you really want to be in this relationship long term you do need to be open and honest with someone and they may have to go and have some financial counseling mm. you know marriage counseling but actually go and have some financial counseling the both of you together I think that's a really good opportunity um, you know, I, I just think it's important because otherwise there's going to be arguments there's inevitably going to be issues and if you really love this person and, and want to be with them then why not before the ambulance gets to the bottom of the hill, mm. approach it when the ambulance isn't anywhere near the hill, Yeah, so to speak. Totally. Um, and also I think, particularly when you're in a long-term relationship, 
in your 20s, you're quite different to when you're in your 40s. So you need a financial plan that helps you at every stage of your relationship. Mm. Before you have children, when you have children, you come to the stage where you would like to go and work on your own. How is that going to work if I'm not earning you know, a lot of money for, or, uh, for the first couple of years, whatever, or pouring money into a business? You have to be really in tune with each other and to want to make this relationship work, finances um, are a huge thing. We, we deal with finances every single day in our lives. You know, mm. We're always dealing with money on a daily basis. And I also think it's really important that couples make a commitment at the end of the year to actually review the year financially. Yeah. I think that's really important. Look, you know, celebrate the positives. Oh, we were able to buy a house this year or we saved 20K. Um, and look forward to um, new goals. What are our new goals for this year? You know, particularly in light of the likes of COVID, how mm. you know that's affected people majorly over the last couple of years. Definitely. And what are some common ways that couples do organise their finances? Can this be replicated, or is it something that's quite personal to the to the couple? I think I think uh, it's it's actually sitting down in detail and working through all those different pockets in relation to the children. What about our investments? What about our house? And I think a really fantastic opportunity there is for people to work with an accountant mm. to work through all of that because sometimes people just can't do it you know, on their own. That works really well. If you're absolutely in tune with and knowledgeable about all your finances but you don't know actually how to make it work um, in practice, then get a really great accountant, get someone who recommend who who you get recommended to and sit down with them and say hey we're in this relationship now we want this to make we want our finances uh to be combined or, or whatever it is and how can we make all the different aspects of how finance affects our life work for us together yeah. i yeah. think that's a really um fantastic way to to deal with it uh and how i guess in terms of strategies We've already touched on a couple, but what are some that couples can use to organise their money together practically and how have you seen this work and fail in your experience? Okay, so I have seen um, it's what works very well is having joint accounts mm -hmm. and having all of the money go into that joint account that may cover the bills, uh, you know, the utilities. There might be a separate account for the children. Um, setting up a savings account you know, a spending account, they, um, th they've they worked really well for people. And then you have to look at uh, whether you actually put things into your own names, mm. your accounts. Um, I think it's always important for people to actually have a separate account too with um, some money in it. I say that because I think it's important people need to put money away for a rainy day, and I've seen that work for a lot of cases. Uh, even, uh, you know, particularly with people divorcing, mm. I say to clients, you need a nest egg. So there needs to be something that's established in a separate account that you put a little bit of money into. And I think whilst you're in a relationship, you need to be upfront about that. You know, that you both have a separate account and money goes into that and you're very, very transparent how much that is. Um, using a lot of the apps and the tools of uh, uh, financial apps and tools are very good. For example, sorted.org.nz mm. is brilliant for people in terms of managing their finances. 
there's plenty of um, templates and budgets uh, for people to um, learn how to uh, undertake their finances. But once again, coming back to getting a financial planner on board and an accountant who can help steer them in the right direction. So I've seen definitely seen some success in that. Uh, we've developed a financial literacy program, Equally Access has, with a uh, financial advisor company, and that uh, focuses on anyone really who needs to upskill themselves in terms of financial literacy because there's not a lot around um, in terms of programs that help people in this regard. And that focuses on four key learning, uh, learning areas, so planning. So, for example, what is a budget? You know, What does that mm. look like? Um, how to deal with your debts in a smart way. Um, learning and talking. Because one of the things is the more you learn about your finances, the more confident you become about dealing with them. And exactly. saving and investing. So whenever I see a client, uh, we talk about them going and seeing a financial advisor even in the first instance, before they've settled. Because at the end of the day, it's very easy to lose money very quickly because there's no money tree. Mm, definitely. Yeah, I think that's a really important one as well. It's like yep. feeling that you can seek out the ha- help when you need it and you don't just need to go along thinking you've got it sorted. And yeah. kind of, like you said, waiting for the ambulance at the bottom of the hill. Yeah. Um, that's great. And so we did touch on this a little earlier, but I'd love to just get your perspective again around the effect that a lack of financial literacy is having on women in relationships when it comes to divorce specifically. Well, it has a huge effect. Mm. You know, uh, it affects them uh, because women have to juggle a lot of different roles. Um, you know, they're, they're busy building careers um, and providing for a household and being number one. Um, caregivers so um, and and it comes back to they may not have had a good experience with money um, growing up so that's made them that's made them very unsure you know I see some women I see just hyperventilate about money Mm. because they've got no idea about it whatsoever and are not willing to learn about it so the the effect of um, no financial literacy is huge uh, because if you end up divorced and you don't know anything about your finances, you're completely in the dark. And how do you know if what is being put on the table for you is actually what you have mm. in your shared pot? How do you, you you talk about saying, well, you've got some assets, but wh- what are they? And are you getting half of what? And there's a blank look. Now they don't even know, you know, what their mortgage payments are or. I don't even know how much the house is valued or I don't even know if he's got KiwiSaver. Mm. Um, I don't even know if we've got um, any cash in any other accounts. So it puts women on the back foot already. So with financial literacy, um, people will be able to better judge, particularly women, the impact of their choices. So it can they can make really positive, great, sustainable decisions that allows them to live comfortably. Um, and that means that people can earn, women can earn passive income through investments, which will free up their time and, you know, ease their workloads. Well, thank you so much, Bridget, for that. That was a great overview and um, summary of some practical tips and steps we can follow. Really appreciate your time. Uh, just to conclude, where can we find you if we want to get in touch and um, work with you and all of those things? So I my business is called Equalexes, so it's... Um, equalexes.com 
and people can call me on my mobile 021-895-032 or email me at Bridget, B-R-I-D-G-E-T-T-E at Equal X's, it's E-X-E-S dot com. Yeah. Perfect. Thank you so much. Cool. It's been wonderful chatting to you today. Oh, no, I really appreciate it. Disclaimer time. So, the One Up Project is an educational platform providing information that is general in nature and has no intention of being financial advice. There may be opinions or an individual's experience within this resource that should not be considered as recommendations or personal advice. Everyone's financial situation is so different, and you must use the information provided within the podcast at your own risk. Please complete your own due diligence before making any financial decisions based on the information within this resource. I'm not a qualified, registered or authorised financial advisor and if you require legal, financial or other expert advice, you should seek assistance from a professional advisor. Thanks guys. Alright guys, thank you so much for listening. I really hope you were able to take something valuable away. Um, Be sure to subscribe and keep up with the socials for further episodes at The One Up Project and I'll catch you on the next one.